If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 195 featuring the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am on the PGA Tour and the RAS al Khaimah Championship on the DP World Tour. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's golf betting action. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, tournament strokes gained analysis, masses of tournament form statistics, and our predictor models. All of these features with this podcast are all available completely free of charge, and there is no paywall. You can follow us on Twitter. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please subscribe and like the shows. I will be recording my AT&T Pebble Show after this podcast. Now, it's time for five-star reviews. You guys, as listeners, power this podcast. No five-star reviews, and we will disappear down the Apple iTunes chart. So, as ever, for those of you who leave a review... I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. I must say, here's, here's the scores on the doors, guys. 138 five-star reviews from the United States of America. We've got 130 from the United Kingdom, 32 from Ireland, 23 from Australia. Still haven't received any fresh ones in 2022. We need, so, to, we need to get guys, a winner, Steve, I think, and then uh, they might flow a little bit more uh, readily. Well, I can guarantee some second places, but I, I can't guarantee winners. That's clearly obvious. But um, we would we would love some five star reviews, especially if you're in Ireland, Australia, the UK. Let's uh, let's see if we can catch the uh, the Americans up and get closer to them in the charts. I've got one here. This is from NE one four six IM. And he's in the United States of America. It's a very catchy handle, that one. Great fun from across the pond, five stars. And great info, too. Greetings from Iowa. Here is my small token of appreciation for all of the enjoyment I get from the show. Although my DNA states that I am of largely English-Irish descent, I don't care to listen at even one and a quarter speed or... My ears may betray me. I try to glean as much info as I can on my commute. I am going to hit a DP PGA double this year. Good for you. And you will all certainly be responsible for it. Cheers, guys. And yeah, NE14689IM, that is from in the United States. Well, it's from Ira, clearly. In the US of A. Thank you for that. Yeah, lovely stuff. I'm going to hit a... Each way double as well across the pond. It's going to happen. Well, we had we had your we, we had your Irish double from a couple of weeks ago that was looking really nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I had the favourites double last week, which was looking quite nice as well, and that one blew up as well, didn't it? Do you want to talk? You, you go first for your side of why. <laughs> well, I, I guess at least in that respect, the John Rahm part of it was um, was out of the equation on Saturday evening. Um, so it didn't actually matter in that respect what Rory did on Sunday, but we'll come to Rory separately. But yeah, I, I, given where he was, John Rahm, um, I fully expected him to take that tournament. Um, was he leading at halfway um, on a course that he absolutely adores and uh, didn't convert? Um, opened the door for a few of the other guys, one of which, or one of whom was uh, was your man, Will Zalatoris, and uh, another famous second place playoff defeat. Steve, they, they start to rack up after a while, sadly, don't they? Did you see my tweet on the twenty eighth of January when holding the thirty six hole lead, Ram is o for five. Oh, he's six now, now. O, he's now o from six. His best finish when leading at halfway was third at Liberty National last year. So he's now 0 from 6 with a 36-hole lead. Strange, isn't it? And again, given how he played, I mean, he was um, leading scorer on the south course on Wednesday. Uh, got himself right into the mix, you know, obviously by being joint leader going into the going into the weekend and then didn't convert. It's, um, yeah, odd. Odd that these guys um, are just not getting over the line. Odd, you know, Rory McIlroy again. You know, I had a single on McIlroy. I put him up in my preview. Talked about him last week. Really thought he was going to win. Got himself into that winning position. Um, right up until the seventy-second hole. And um, I've seen plenty of debate about the the way that he approached that final hole. And a lot of people saying, um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, should have laid it up. That's, you know. Two, what was he, 260 out, fairway, mm. tournament at his mercy. He's got to go for that, I think, and uh, go for it. He did. He just didn't execute the shot. Didn't Wasn't he in pretty much the same spot that Hovland was in the playoff? Yeah, that's not not dissimilar. I mean, it's the kind of was, shot. Was Hovland slightly closer? I think Hovland was another few yards closer. Yeah, I think he was more yeah. like two, 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 high 230s, maybe 240, yeah. I think. Oh, right. Okay. With Rory's power, you know, a, a two sixty seven shot off the deck isn't, you know, is well within his wheelhouse. But uh, you've got to pull the shot off, and you know, had, had he banged it into the middle of the green, two putted for for birdie, won the golf tournament, uh, it would have been absolutely the right shot. The fact that he didn't execute mm. it, the fact that he found the water, you know, again, there's a lot of a lot of people talking about the fact. Well, I should have laid up, should have should have tried to make four, should have settled for a three man playoff. That. Isn't the mentality? I don't think when you're going to win a golf tournament, and as disappointing as it was um, from a punting perspective, I think it was the right thing to do to go for that shot. Um, just didn't execute it. What are your thoughts, Baron? It's a hard one for us to say as um, terrible, terrible golfers compared to Rory McIlroy, and uh, I think the decision is good until the execution is poor. Um, and and the the poor execution uh, of a shot needs to be maybe factored in. I'm sure he probably did factor it in, but the hitting it in, choosing that option to go for it, brought in the opportunity for bogey or double bogey to happen. Whereas mm. if he went the other route and sh- like hit nine iron wedge or eight iron wedge, then he's never making bogey from there. So 
he brought in the risk of um, of missing out completely, but by going for it, he increased it, probably increased his chances a little bit of finishing it there and then. So it's it's so it's so hard to make a any sort of judgment call on it because the result is so overbearing on any kind of logic you try to apply to it. Um, yeah. It's just, I guess at the end of the day, it's what makes Rory so utterly compelling to watch and why the cameras never leave him because it's just, it's just exciting. There's always something pulling you in and really engaging about him and long may that last. It'll it'll mean more heartbreak but um, at times, but it'll also mean some amazing uh, highlight reel moments. Mm. So... Um, I don't think uh, any of us want Rory to to change very much about what he does and how he does it. It's, no, just, it's great to watch. No, and you, if you flip that around, if he lays up, if he makes makes par, loses in the playoff, then the decision He's, or all of the column inches would have been, well, he should have gone for it. A hundred percent, definitely, Paul. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's as simple as that. So. I can see the logic. Disappointing from a from a punting perspective, but from a spectacle, as you say, and from a um, having having the bottle to go for it. I, yeah, I think you've got to applaud mm. it. You just you just can't applaud the actual execution of the shot, which was uh, which is a real shame. There, there was one thing that was a bit of a killer moment. I thought was that um, the weight he had on the mm. fairway, yeah. standing over that shot. That's. I don't care who who you are. That amount of time standing over a big shot like that just it just builds and builds tension um, as much as you can release it yourself. Oh yeah, just, I know. Did you see um, how many yeah. photographers were in front of him on that fairway, about thirty yards down on the right? There was about a group of twenty cameras sitting there waiting for him to hit that shot. Yeah. I don't think he. I don't think he sees that anymore. But that just no, shows you, but one. that's all part of that tension thing, there, isn't it? He's he's standing there for five, six, seven minutes. Is yeah. he gonna? Is he gonna go for it? Is he not? I watched it because I was working. I was I was pulling together my pebble data, and I I could see what was going to happen just looking at the lead board. It was all going to come down to that last par five. Hovland got the you know that brilliant finish, and you just knew. But he had to make birdie on that last, and I I, turned, I tuned in, and literally I saw him hit the drive. And I, there was no doubt in my mind that he would go for that shot. You think about it, 32 professional wins, 20 on the PGA Tour. His style is all about buccaneering, aggressive mm-hmm. golf. There's no way he's going to lay up there in a million years. Mm. And this time it went wrong. It was one little thing of concern, and I, I haven't seen any images what? of it, but Radar said there was a little bit of mud, mud in the ball. Now that could yeah. be a that could be a speck which would just be ejected straight away off the ball as soon as he hit it, or it could yeah. be something that clings on. So um, hard hard to kind of use that as any um, element for us to make a judgment on. But look, I, it happened, and the column inches are going to be written about him either way. Um, I love the fact that he goes for it. It just it just sucks that he didn't make it. Yep. Yep. And it sucks as well with uh, Will Zalatoris, Steve. He had a real good chance on the uh, 72nd holding regulation to win that tournament outright as well, didn't he? Just to, to meander away the ball at the end as it was, uh, it was taking a peek in the hole. I woke up uh, Sunday morning with a raging hangover. And I thought, well, don't muck about. Get the app on. Let's see what happened. 
And as it was loading, I could instantly see it was a playoff. And I said to my missus, I said, oh, no, it's a playoff. I hate playoffs when they come up. Because I knew he was leading when I went to sleep. I think they had, he had five holes to lead to go. He was on the 13th. And List had had the finish from... Did you see how he finished on 18? He was hacking it all over. Hacking it all over 18, List was. Absolutely knocking his knees together. And then he pulls that wedge together from the deep, Rough on the left hand side mm. to get hit that to hit that nice ledge there and pull it down. It, and look, list of all people, he's on my post it note of never back here. <laughs> he's sitting there proudly in place between Henley and Rogers. And I, I said, I can't believe it. A man hasn't won in 204, was it 208? PJ has just beaten Will Zanatoris in a play. Anyway. I tell you, here's some snippets from the week that I took. I, I just think that O that O and six on Ram, thirty six hole leader, is an f- interesting snippet as a punter. Mm. When you're sitting there on a Monday morning and you're thinking about lumping on John Ram at these ridiculously short prices, that's an that's an interesting statistic for me. I think Hovland and the way that he's playing at the moment is is amazing. Yet again, he won another tournament there at Dubai with quite a significant negative split on his around the green game. And I know, yeah, oh yeah, but when you're hitting 85% of the greens. But there again, that, there's another one for you. Dubai, a course where it, you can literally hit as many greens as you need to where, and then the short game doesn't become critical. Yeah. And I think he actually putted mid-range, was he? I think he was in the top 20 for putting. So yeah. if you've got Hovland that's got his fantastic strokes game, ball striking game, which is world class, and he's actually putting in the top 20 from a strokes game perspective, he's going to win a lot of tournaments if you don't have to scramble. And that's my only doubt with him at majors still. On courses and on greens that are going to reject approach shots, I think Hovland will struggle. Yeah, that I'm, isn't I'm, the unless he unless he continues to work at it, Steve. And if, yeah, how how good does he need to get at that aspect of his game to be you know, better than he is? I mean, was he won three in the last five tournaments? If he gets oh, to yeah. just a middling short game, then the rest of his game is going to going to put him into the you know the the highest of echelons in world golf. Credit to the guys who set up Dubai as well. I thought the course was perfect. Just those greens that were just slightly releasing, so they they couldn't they couldn't you know that that winning score was perfect, mm. absolutely perfect. That twelve thirteen under par mark that makes for a great tournament in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite the the birdie fest that it has been in the past. Um, and no. uh, yeah, it makes it's it not a, this thirty three under. No, no. And kind of rubbish. You kind of with with some of the events in the not so distant past. There, we kind of got into the twenties or thereabouts, and yeah, it make, make, makes it particularly for a Rolex level event where you've got some of the world's best players in there. If they are, you know, they're, they're not struggling, but if they're, you know, they're having to fight for a, for a good, you know, mid teens, low teens under par score, then that's a it's a better spectacle, I think. Agree with that. I thought I thought the setup of both tours last week was um, was mm-hmm. more interesting to watch. Yeah, you know there was there was things to consider. You know the ball was bouncing properly on the greens and releasing out and running a bit. So mm. it's, it's much more engaging to watch than um, I think dark I golf. Think we, we might get a, a similar but slightly lower score in the pebble this week because there's been no rain in the area for a chunk of time. Mm. I'm just going to take you through this list. And then we'll move on. 
Since my Kisner win at the Wyndham, I have had Bryson DeChambeau second at the BMW, Maverick McNeely second at the Fortinet, Matthew Wolfe second at the Shriners, Colin Murakawa second at the CJ Cup, Jason Kokrag a win at Houston, then Hughes second at the RSM, Hoagie second at the Amex, and Zalatoris second at the Farmers. That is laughable. <laughs> we will move I on. I can't it's, believe you ruined that run with a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. It's not, not it's so much, absolutely laughable, that is, but there you go. It's not so much T2 Tony, Steve, it's T2 Steve, isn't it? T2 Bamford, Steve, T2 Bamford. Right, let's try and find another second place this week. <laughs> we'll, we'll start with Pebble Beach, shall we? Yeah. Um, I've got bad news to report. We are back to a, um eight-hour round pro-am. Um, mate, you're for Ghostbusters. What's his name? Bill? Bill Murray, yeah. Bill Murray will be playing, yeah. Entertaining the crowd. So that'd be fantastic. We have three courses on offer. It's 156 man, 156 amateur field. They have to split it over three golf courses. Uh, last year, it was only over two. Uh, but they've had to have add the third this week. So we've got, of course, the host course will be Pebble Beach. That doesn't really need any introduction unless you're really, really fresh to golf betting. It hosts, um, it's hosted the 2000 US Open and the 2020 US Open. Yeah, the 2010 as well, wasn't it? With, uh, oh, and 2010 as well. With uh, G- yeah, G-Mac. Yeah, that's right. 2000, 20, uh, Tiger Woods, 2010 G-Mac, 2020. 20 Gary Woodland mm. Woodland GMAC and Woods they all go together really well though Serena um, that was sarcastic now we've got Spyglass Hill Golf Club and the Shore Course at Monterey Peninsula Country Club they're the three in the rotor so what you'll find is your players will play one of those three courses across Thursday Friday and Saturday and then the best players I think it's top 65 Unfortunately, you have to watch the amateurs as well on the Sunday here. It's not like the Amex. Uh, we'll then play the final round on Sunday at Pebble Beach. It's onerous to watch. They tend to stack the field as well to make sure that the big names get the best of the draw. Uh, they, I, they did very much the same at um, PGS a couple of weeks ago, but it actually backfired in the end. But they tried to make sure that um, the, the big names had the good scores before the win came on Saturday. And it did work because actually Ram and um, Cantley were at the top of the leaderboard and then they fell away. Um, I don't know anything... In terms of bias on the courses, I mean, it, it's all over the place. So I won't get too into that. Um, all we need to know is that they are short golf courses, all, th- all three of them. They actually play, uh, Pebble plays a 7,051 7, yards. Spyglass plays a 7,041 yards. Monterey Peninsula plays at 6,958 yards. To add even more complexity, there's different pars. So um, we have a situation where Spyglass Hill plays as a uh, par 71, I believe. Uh, or is that Monterey? I think Monterey plays as a 71, and Spyglass and Pebble play as, play as 72s. 
It's it's yes, yeah, it's messy. It's messy, but effectively, Poa greens, no bent grass in them. Tiny greens, and as I said at the top, there hasn't been a lot of rain here for a while. Now this course tends to play soft. I mean, it's, it's we're in February, but we have had one renewal in 2018, I believe, where we actually I classified it as firm. Now I'm not talking U.S. Open firm. But I was talking plenty of roll on the fairways and greens that were releasing. And I think we're going to have a similar year in terms of the scoring. Now, that year, Ted Potter Jr., of all people, TPGA, Paul, your fave, he won at 17 under in 2018. What, like about 600 to 1 or something ridiculous? 600 to 1, Ted Potter Jr. was, yeah. I'm just bringing the leaderboard up on my screen. There was something... He won at 17 under, and then the rest of the guys were 14 under. Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, Ches Reevy, Phil Mickelson. So class players there. Ches Reevy, a real pebble specialist. I think we're in the same kind of mould. I don't think it's going to be one of these 22, 24 under power jobs. I really don't. I think they're going to have to work for their scores this week. Mainly because we could actually see some greens. I mean, I might be totally wrong, and PGA Tour might send out their memo. Get you know, get the Carmel by the sea fire you know fire appliances up to the courses and make sure that they are as soft as you can get them. But in the past, we have seen this where they've actually let the course run a little bit. It's all second guessing, isn't it, Barry? And who knows with the PGA Tour, they do like a birdie or 17. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, if, if the weather's been very, very dry, there's, I mean, there's not, you can keep pumping water all day long. It's still going to retain that kind of inherent dryness. Um, mm. You know, there's only so much you can fight Mother Nature one way or the other. Yeah, I thought so. Um, winners here. I mean, it's not a bad list, is it? Considering it's an event that you know, relatively, done, you know, especially now with this week with Saudi Arabia sucking the life out of the PGA Tour in terms of its depths of field. Daniel Berger won in twenty twenty one at eighteen under par. Nick Taylor won at tw- in twenty twenty at nineteen under. Phil Mickelson, I was on board that week, twenty five under par. Uh, sorry. 2019, 25 to 1, he won at 19 under par. Ted TBJ at 17s. Jordan Spieth at 19s in 2017. Vaughan Taylor, 17 under in 2016. Branch Schnedeker, I was on board that week as well. I think I had him at 22s or 25s. 2015, 22 under, he won at. I don't think we're going to get to. My gut feel is we don't get to 22 under this week. I think it's more that 17, 18. A good mid score total, I think, wins this. Um, let's, let's do something different. I'll take you through the top 10 of my predictor model that I ran. One, Daniel Berger. Two, Justin Rose. Three, Patrick Cantlay, the favourite. Four, Matt Kuchar. Five, Kevin Kisner. Six, Jordan Spieth. Seven, Will Zalatoris. Eight, Jason Day, real course specialist. Nine, Seamus Power. And ten, Cameron Tringali. I mean, there's no real shocks in there. Um, Kuchar I thought was at a decent price actually I think I saw him at 60 to 1 when they first chalked them up uh, he's 66 is right now 
And if you look at Kuchar's history, Sony Open winner, um, a winner at um, Harbour Town, clearly second to um, Jordan Spieth in an Open. Short courses by the coast is where Kuchar comes to town. One of the things that put me off is he's only literally played one tournament so far this year. And his approach play doesn't really appear to be really that crisp. He also seems to disappoint. He's had a top 10 here in the US Opens, but in this Pebble Pebble Pro-Am format, he doesn't seem to have had the best of times. So I don't know why. Sometimes it might just be the... And, you know, you alluded to it at the start, the, the length of the rounds, the patience that you need. And if things aren't quite going your way, it can can start to kind of prey on your mind a bit, I guess. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and you know, just lo- lose the will to carry on fighting if you're <laughs> off the lead. And uh, yeah, it's taking 10 minutes per shot. I expect they're having so many sub bets per hole between all these players and very rich amateurs that they might even lose track of what the leaderboard are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, a thousand dollars, whoever wins this hole, and all that going on. I tell you what tends to happen here you'll either get an elite player like Phil Mickelson winning Daniel Berger last year, or clearly you'll get a Nick Taylor, a Potter Jr. And it always tends to end up a Vaughan Taylor where you get a great name and a rubbish name, relatively. And sometimes the lesser name actually beats the elite player. I mean, the year TBJ won, he actually held off Dustin Johnson to win at 500 to 1. You might get the same. And I was desperately looking for that player at that deep price point that I thought had the skill currently from what I've seen and the path, I, I think here a, a, a previous top, statistically a previous top 16 here is pretty essential for winners. I mean, even TBJ had a top 16 here before he won. People are quoting uh, Branch Stender could finish 21st here before he won. He'd actually finished 8th at the US Open as well. So, um, DA points won here at 80-1. to one. Uh, in 2011, he had a top 14 finish at the AT&T before winning. So for me, it doesn't feel like the course where a really on form or a player that's really played nicely as a rookie comes and wins here. I think you need course experience. Doesn't say they can't place, but even when you look at the people that place, they all tend to have at least played here once. You know, I don't. I don't think it's the extremes that we had at PGS PJ West the other day, where anyone in the field could win, and we had two guys after fifty-four holes that were like seven hundred to one or four hundred to one that were leading. Not you're not going to get that here, in my opinion. Um, anything to add? I could go through the statistics, but yet again, we're talking about statistics. They're only on Pebble Beach. They're not on the other two courses, and they're pretty much all over the place. From a strokes gain perspective, it's obvious that strokes gained approach is the key metric this week, along with strokes gained T to green. And if you look at it from a uh, from a, um, a traditional statistics perspective, greens in regulation is the key. I mean, driving distance average, going back to 2010, driving distance of the winners when you look in the field, they were 35th on average in the field for driving distance. Length of the tees immaterial this week. Mm. Greens in regulation, sixth. Now, that is over 12 renewals. And when you inevitably look, 
the winners here are always at the top of the greens and regulation chart. Yeah. And I still think you've got to be able to actually putt a little bit, which is kind of normal when you win a golf tournament. So personally, I have been looking for guys in the build-up who have been absolutely brilliant, both with their approach play, also with a decent and um, warm enough putter, and also players that in the last their last three or four outings have had a very high single-digit greens and regulation number. That's the way I looked at it. Because there is a kind of pattern when you look at past with even TB, even Ted Potter Jr. at the RSM Classic before he won this. And I think that was like three tournaments before he won here. And it was at the end of the previous year. Had, I think he finished fourth for Greens in regulation at Sea Island. Let me have a quick look. I'm quoting these numbers. Yeah, he was fourth for approach. And fifth for tee to green at the RSM. He'd finished 13th. I mean... You'd have been a you'd have been an absolute hero to pick that out five hundred to one. But there's just this this trend where you you need people that have been very good strokes gained approach in GIR in one of their build ups to this and have been contending in that particular tournament. Yeah, and the thing with Potter again is these short courses absolutely fit into his uh, in his into his style of game and the players that pick out or know that there are weeks and events that are going to far, you know, present far stronger opportunities um, can, can kind of focus on that particular week and make it count. And with Potter, he can actually win. I mean, there's a lot of players who get a lot of good, strong finishes and never go over the line. With with Ted Potter, he can get over the line. It's just very, very rare that he shows any form and very rare that he actually... Uh, gets a gets a strong finish of any description, but what it does invariably, it's a it's a win. Um, but it's yeah. definitely forms part of the PGA Tour, uh, the PGA Tour short course schedule. Yeah, short course experts is what we're looking for this week, mm. in my opinion. Right, I'll I'll run through mine quickly. I've gone Justin Rose, two points each way, 28 to 1 with William Hill, eight places each way. Uh, oh, I just want to pull one out before I get on. Treble 8 Sport. Treble 8 Sport right now are five places each way at court of the odds. I guarantee you by some point this morning in Tuesday, that will change to eight and a fifth. Eight places, eight places each way and a fifth. So... That's, again, one of these naughty guys where you're getting poor each-way terms up front and then they'll switch them to the uh, the each way to the extended each-way terms way past when they actually switch the golf market on, which, for me, as we keep saying, that's a definite no-no. Fair play to William Hill. They switched to eight places in a quarter relatively quickly yesterday. But they still started with six and a fifth when the first odds came up. Right, I am on board Justin Rose. I'm also on board Maverick McNeely at 28 to 1, two points each way with William Hill, eight places. Uh, Kevin Kisner, we'll discuss him in a short while. I'm on Kevin Kisner this week, one and a half points each way, 50 to 1, eight places each way with Paddy Power on KK. Matt Jones at 50 to 1. I've only got a point each way on Matt Jones because you can't trust him. He will miss the cut or potentially uh, contend. That's Matt Jones. Uh, so I've got slightly less on the stake. There is a 60-1 to 1 hanging out there with Betfred. That came after we published 
um, annoyingly, but Betfred looked like they were absolutely nowhere from publishing their market, so we went live with ours. I'm seeing 66s on Matt Jones with Unibet if you want to take the six places. He's 60 to 1 with Betfred, eight places each way. I took a very lowly 50 to 1 on him, but I think he's got a good chance this week, Jones. And then finally, and this one does intrigue me, Lucas Glover. A point each way at 66 to 1, eight places each way with Paddy Power. A real plotter, Lucas, isn't he? High GIR man. He's got a 7th and 11th here in his last three. And this was the number that got me. Now, these this data is available at Golf Betting System, as you know. We talk about it all the time. But the strokes gained uh, numbers that Paul pulls together from previous renewals at each tournament. The number that grabbed me with... Uh, Lucas Glover, I'm bringing it up on my screen, so I'm killing time very badly here. Lucas Glover. When I, I'm using the fantastic ranking functionality on our strokes gained, he sits in fourth spot for strokes gained putting <laughs> at the AT&T Pebble since 2017. On, on the Pebble Beach course, that'll be, yeah. On the Pebble Beach course, on these power greens from six rounds. And he also ranks in the top eight of regular visitors from a strokes gained total perspective. I, and when I say regular visitors, I mean people that have played in more than one round. Mm. Yeah. So I love Glover at 66 to 1. Don't forget, Glover won the John Deere Classic last year when he got rid of that. He hadn't won for eight years, kind of tag. He's been playing some really nice. He was fifth at the Sony Open and out the outing before last. And I think he was in the top 16 at halfway at the Amex as well. On the basis that uh, Luke List won last week, um, Lucas Glover's going to take some putting inspiration from that, surely, and uh, and, and putt absolutely lights out on these power greens. He seems the sort to me that, you know, when you talk about short course plotters, mm. I mean, he's won the John Dick Classic last year. He's the sort that could just plot his way around, and we know that he's got, when he's on his game, laser sharp approach play. And if he can actually get on with these greens, which that statistic seems to suggest. Yeah, yeah. I think Glover's a great shout at 66s. I really do. He's actually 80 to 1 if you want to take six places each way, 50 odds with Unibet, or the standard five places each way and a quarter the odds with Bet365. 80 to 1 on Glover. Um, Jones, I kind of went through him. Jones has got a great record here. 10th, 15th, 7th, 11th and 5th. We know that he was third at Kapalua, the first tournament of the year. He's then gone miscut, miscut. Not bothered about that. Um, he's the sort that could just pop up this week, I think, Jones. Um, clearly, this is his kind of um, game. Coastal golf course, short golf course. Kevin Kisner's the one that intrigued me. If this was being played on Bermuda, Kevin Kisner would, I think, be a 22 to 1 chance in this field. But because it's Poana. They've chalked him up. A number of firms have chalked him up at 50 to 1. And I just look at Kisner. He's finished in the top 10 here before. There was also a campaign where he was in the top 6 at halfway and then fell away. You actually look at Kisner and you look at his statistics. He isn't all that bad on Poana. It's not as if he can't 
actually do anything on them. And actually, you look at his record, when you look at Poana mixed with a little bit of bent grass, he's finished third and eighth at Detroit, fifth at TPC River Highlands last year at the Travellers, sixth at Muirfield Village. It's not as if he cannot compete at short courses with Poana on the, on the green surfaces. So I just thought they were hanging 50 to 1 there. And this is a guy that's coming off some amazing form, isn't he? He's had a, uh, what was it? He's sitting 10th in my strokes game putting eight-week tracker. And he's 10th tee to green. He's ninth overall. So over the last eight weeks, he's ninth in this field for strokes gained total current form. I just I just had to snap. If, if he won this and I wasn't on board with that kind of concrete block slapping me in the forehead, I'd go absolutely crazy. So I'm on Kisner at 50s. And then I've gone for two towards the top, those 28 to 1, Maverick McNeely. If there's any golf course in the world that he will win his first PGA Tour event at, it's this one where he lives. He's absolutely made for it. Um, he's unbelievably good on POA greens and small greens. And Justin Rose, I, Rose, he just seems to be warming to me. 10th at the Wyndham, 6th at the BMW at, at Wentworth, 12th at the RSM Classic, 6th last week at the Farmers Insurance Open. And the thing I like about him is after years and years of absolute inconsistency from tee to green and slashing it about everywhere, all of a sudden the Justin Rose that we know, the bread and butter, the ball striking is coming back in a consistent form. I actually think he'll arrive here at a course where he's finished 6th in an AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and 3rd in the US Open. Think to himself, good God, this field isn't the greatest. I could actually win this. So I'm on board. Justin Rose. I penciled him into my notes when I was watching last week. What did you see last week? I mean, he was from a statistical perspective, he was 5th for strokes gained on approach. It's just, I mean, that's that's been the thing. That's put what all what did you place. see eyeballing him, Barry? Uh, no, it, it was just seeing his name on the leaderboard. I actually didn't see him, to be honest. But I just saw the name and went, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because that course, you know, it, it demands you to be, the way it was playing last week as well, demanded you be hitting the ball pretty well. And that's the thing that's been messy for him for the last while. So um, it's, it's usually ominous once he kind of finds it and clicks it, he holds on to it. So. Can I just make one comment before we move on as well? You know, sure. I'm a JT, JT. I mentioned JT a lot. Did you see what happened to him last week? Shot lights out on the north course, south course with that destructive drive in him again, just disappeared, disappeared off the leaderboard. I saw one drive that he hit out of bounds. I think it was on either 17 or 18 on the Friday. Double. Still there. The destructive uh, yeah. driving is still there with JT. I wonder is there anyway, an actual is there an actual st- stat like you know drives leading to drop shots? Yeah, that that'd be an interesting one. But it's just yeah, and I guarantee JT will be another fourteen to one shot at Phoenix next week, as he always is. They're, anyway, back to you, Barry. No, no, those drives are you just cannot have as at them happen as frequently as they are happening to him. They're just, they're devastating. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. When when he clicks it though, yeah, he'll he'll blitz he'll blitz a field. Um, there's too much good stuff in there. So he finds that week where he just doesn't have those one or two uh, disasters. 
Yeah, I'm just waiting for JT when he gets to that. He's, he's very, very similar, JT, when you look at him. He's very similar to Rory McIlroy. It'll be that 20, 22 to 1 price point, and he'll just win. Bang. Job done. And then the next tournament, he'll be back to 9 to 1. So we just need to wait. Be a little bit patient on JT and his price, and then back him. Just back him on the ceiling. Right, I've, I've witted enough. So um, Rose McNeely for me. Matt Jones, Kevin Kisner, and Lucas Glover. What about you guys? You got any? Uh, you're, on, uh, you're on KK Barry. I'm. I'm not. I haven't made any bets yet, so I'm kind of forming things together. Um, Rose is interesting. I probably will pull the trigger on that. Um, KK so far this season is uh, quite compelling in terms of his GIR. He's hitting eighty-five percent greens and reg. It's the kind of um, high sort of numbers you'd like this week. Um, the other one that kind of has my interest is uh, Minwoo Lee, which I think is mm-hmm. a bit um, nice price for him, you know, mm-hmm. because he wouldn't be that price on the DP World Tour. You know, it's a step up in quality, but not as dramatic a step up this week, considering the, the way the field is um, and could have been stronger. So I think he's right there around 66 to 1 with the max places available. Well, it's eight places. I mean, the max is 10, but the, the price drop is too far down to 50 for that. Yeah, and Coastal Golf is absolutely his, uh, his bag as well, mm-hmm. Min Moodley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, I'm also being uh, operating with an abundance of caution because uh, my picking so far the last few weeks has um, been uh, left... <laughs> Left a lot to be desired, to be honest. So, um, I just putting the toes in a little bit at a time. We'll just see if we can catch catch mm. a little bit of sync with what's happening. Perhaps this will be the week, Barry. It'll all turn around. That's the eternal hope, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. And I'm also I'm also a bit cautious about uh, pro ams. It just it can just be such a, an even more of a lottery in what happens. So. I don't want to go f- full uh, full arsenal of bets on it. Yeah, you do get some do get some odd ones, don't we? In this this particular one, and I I'm, just think Barry, I think Barry, you've got to pick one of those elite guys because you're going to get an elite. I mean, you just listen to the winners here. I mean, Berger was 18s, Mickelson 25s, Spieth nine to one. That's a rarity when the favourite wins this. Snedeker 25s, Walker 28s, Snitter, Mickelson 25s. You know, there's a whole list there. So that 25, 28 to 1 price point, get someone there that you're comfortable with, bang them in there, and then try and find some deeper prices that you you think might, that might you know, like Minwoo Lee for an each way. I mean, I, I, I mentioned to you guys off mic, I think Adam Spenson's got a great chance. He's down here at 150 to 1, eight places each way with William Hill. Just been playing some great golf, Spenson, recently. You know, there's going to be the odd player like that, or Wyndham Clark potentially, someone that's shown something recently that just pops up to the top of the leaderboard and then has a, you know, has a great week and he's going to be in a head-to-head with a couple of elites. That's where you need to be. Paul. Yeah, yeah. No, I've bet I've bet three. Um, the shortest of whom is Lanto Griffin at fifty-fives. Um, yeah. He was third at the American Express, 30th last week. And what caught my eye last week was he closed with around a 65, which was the best round of the day. Some good momentum coming into this week. He was ninth here back in 2020. So it ticks that uh, top 15 
kind of what, what, 16 or whatever the number was box um, for Lanto Griffin. Um, Scott Stallings off back to 125. So he was You're 40. A <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I like Stallings. He's the kind what, of player who can actually what, win, isn't he? What did you? Where did you back him at 125? Oh, you know, you, you know. Oh, sometimes so I can't Barry, resist the please prize. Please help this man. He can't help himself. <laughs> you haven't heard he's, gone the, he's gone for the shortest each way terms at a pro. Yeah, you haven't. What, you haven't what, heard he got three plate. Three places each way, Paul, is it, or is it two? <laughs> oh, yeah, but you've got 125 to one. I'll just back him on the nose. Um, no, what Scott what Stanley's... are you doing? What are you doing? Just yeah, add a, like a tenth of a point to your bet or a fifteenth of a point to your bet and get the eight places. Yeah, I'm just, I just I just can't resist the number sometimes. I know you can't, but just add a tiny bit to your bet. It's a mo- Consider it a premium, an, an insurance-loading <laughs> premium to emotionally hedge yourself. Because when he finishes sixth, you are going to explode. Now, it'll be great content on the podcast next week. I can't wait for, for it. Li- for listeners, he is available 100 to 1 of, across a whole host of websites that are offering eight places each way of 50 odds. <laughs> anyway, on to you, Paul. Yeah, so I've, 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 uh, I've gone bullish on Scott Stallings. I've backed him 125 to 1 with just five places because I think he's good enough to finish in those top five spots. And get the Do you know what you're doing here, Paul? You're hitting Most a three wood for two sixty-seven. <laughs> I can you're see got, Scott Stanley standing in the middle of the fairway on Sunday and whacking it into the sea on the left there when Paul <laughs> and he's, he's tied fourth at that spot and then he ends up tied seventh. Oh, dear. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, we shall see. We'll, we'll see how this transpires, shall we? Um, Forty-sixth last week, so nothing particularly to shout about. But he closed with a sixty-six, and that was second best to Lanto Griffin. He was really positive about his round on social on Instagram as well. So um, seems to be in a positive frame of mind. The sort of player who can actually win, as I said, he's got three PGA yeah. Tour wins now. He's not one of these who just plods and never gets over the line. Um, he well, he's can. also won on Power Greens at Torrey Pines. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's got a nice little record here, Stanley. I, I had a good eyeball at him. Mm. Yeah, his record, uh, five uh, five starts, 14th, 7th, 3rd, miscut 30th. So um, mm. got three within that uh, magical parameter of uh, top 16 mm. finishes as well. So yeah, so, yeah like Scott. Um, the other one I've backed is Brandon Harkins, who I backed at 150 to 1. And the same argument we've just run through with Scott Stanning's counts there because he's um, available with many more places at a much lower price. Um, but I've taken the punt at 150s. He got his breakthrough win on the Corn Ferry Tour last week. Um, and I think he could celebrate that win with a decent week here at Pebble. Um, hasn't played or well, hasn't got a massive um, results on the PGA Tour he has played a little bit and one of his better results was 15th here back in 2018 that was the year that Ted Potter won mm. um, he closed the 66 that year um, nobody beat that on the day uh, also finished 28th the year after not disastrous so two spins here two decent enough efforts California boy I think he'd go well Brandon Harkins at a decent um, each way price so Harkins Stallings Lanto Griffin for me at the at the Pebble Beach right let's move on DP World Tour new event Raz Al Khaimah Championship at the Al Hamra Golf Club. Mm. It is indeed, yes. Take it away. Yeah, we're standing in the UAE again for well, it's for another fortnight now. Um, double header here at Al Hamra Golf Club, as you say. 
Um, the Qatar Masters, which was scheduled for next week, has been postponed. So they're staying and running two consecutive weeks here at Alhambra. So we've seen this a little bit post-lockdown. Um, this first week will be a very interesting pointer as to what happens next week. So keep your eyes peeled on the TV and the stats because it may well help um, markedly next week when trying to work out who's going to win round two of the Raz Al Kama double header. But I guess after two weeks of Rolex action, the field quality has, uh, has dropped. Well, it's dropped almost as fast as the prize fund. We've got a quarter of the prize fund from last week here this week. A lot of the field have disappeared off to Saudi, as you'd expect, on the Asian tour, chase the uh, chase the bucks over there. So we're left with a, um, I wouldn't call it threadbare field. There's still some names in there. Bernd Wiesberger is the 11-1 favourite. Jordan Smith, 22s. Bob McIntyre, 25-1. to 1. That looks like it was a late decision to, to stay for McIntyre. Uh, Roman Langask, yeah. 25s. Adrian Moronk, 25s as well. Then we're into the likes of Thomas Dettry, Alexander Bjork. Rasmus Hogard. Richard Bland, who played well again last week, 33-1. to 1. Right on the cusp, as you mentioned to me, Steve, of a top 50 in the world rankings position for Richard Bland, which... Yeah, um, I know. He's so close to his first ever Masters. Just yeah. needs another big top two, top three, or clearly a win, and that he he'll have his uh, Masters invite. Wouldn't that you know for for a guy you know it, it, immensely likable, and you know you you, you see him on um, see him on the coverage and uh, in in the interviews, and uh, you just got to kind of pull for him and and hope that he yeah the fairy tale it would be for him to make it into the top fifty at this point in his career and. Get access to these uh, events that have eluded him for for the bulk of his career. It would be a mm. be a real real fairy tale. Um, not that I backed him, of course, but uh, <laughs> that's a, that, that's just a, a side point. Um, Boyle Sports eight places each week each way this week. Uh, a fifth of the odds. Uh, they're the best out there. The rest are all seven, six, or even five places each way. Boyles were also ten each way on your events, Steve, from memory. Um, over in Pebble Beach, so uh, there's lots. So what's that? Let's do the maths. They're, they're offering eight additional each way places. Indeed, yes. Across both events combined, three on mine, five decent. on yours. Yes. So uh, decent. In fact, there was a couple of players I was half tempted to just bang. Uh, I think Matt Jones wasn't too much south of fifty to one with balls, and just take the ten. But I took the eight in the end. But yes, yeah, always an option with, with yeah, balls. Absolutely, always an option. Each for their own, but uh, yeah, do check the prices out because there may be some very similar prices on your p- picked players, um, which you may be getting more each way places out of, of course. Um, onto the course, we're playing at Alhambra Golf Club. It's just along the coast um, of the Persian Gulf from Dubai, so um, just uh, in the same kind of vicinity as we've been for the last, uh, well, we were last week at least. It's a Peter Haradine uh, design, 7,325 yard par 72. It's a resort course fundamentally designed for the tourist trade, um, just off the coast. And it's built around some lagoons there, so there's plenty of water in place. It's got a very much a coastal kind of vibe to it, from what I can see. Open, exposed, a typical track that you find in that kind of area, really. Um, similar to last week, there's some differences between the front and the back nine. The front nine actually is easier this week. Um, seven of the easiest eight holes um, over the years that have seen some action here come in the first eight holes so 
Um, we've seen lots of under par scores in, in the front nine, and then the back nine gets quite tough, save for some of the uh, some of the scoring holes on the back nine. But um, there are certainly lots of chances. Don't be surprised to see some really fast starts on the front nine this week with players shooting four, five, six over, oh, under potentially over the first um, first few holes. There are four par fives, all of them between 576 and the longest is 607 yards. So if you get your drive away in the desert, then potentially you're going to be able to go for these par fives. There are also three sub 400 yard par fours. So um, again, it kind of sets up for a risk reward kind of style, I think. Um, certainly that's been um, muted in um, in the interview around these parts in the past. It's got a coastal vibe to it, as I say. Paspalum grass is used from tea to green. Think Abu Dhabi, where we saw paspalum used from tea to green. Seems to be quite a common occurrence um, over in the UAE nowadays. Now, as you alluded to, Steve, it's the first time this course has been used on the DP World Tour. It does have some history on the Challenge Tour, though. So if you look through the stats that are on the site this week, you'll find we have results from 2016, 17 and 18, all from the Challenge Tour. And around about 45 of the players in this week's field have some competitive action from this course in the past. So uh, well worth a look. 2016, Jordan Smith won here at 20 under par. 2017 was Jens Dantorp at 15 under and 2018 was Adrian Aus, who won at 17 under. That was the season-ending grand final that year on the Challenge Tour in 2018. And given a calm forecast for the first three days, uh, at least Sunday looks like it might be a little bit uh, windier. But uh, a calm forecast for three days, mid-70s Fahrenheit temperatures, I think it's going to be low scoring again. You might get up to 5, 10 miles an hour winds in the afternoons, potentially on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You might get 15 to 20 on Sunday if the um, if the forecast holds till then, but uh, it could all change, of course. But yeah, I would ex- I'd expect us to get um, towards the top end of that uh, of that list, maybe towards the 20 under that Jordan Smith achieved back in 2016. What can you draw out of three kind of distant Challenge Tour events? Well. If you look at the three winners, all three of them had a top eight finish in one of their last three outings on the tour, so they all had some incoming form. Um, Adrian Ailes led the field for par par five scoring at 12 under. That may well be a factor this week. Um, You've got four potentially reachable par fives. And I talked about the risk-reward nature, and I think if you you go back and have a look at some of those Challenge Tour events and some of the comments and interviews from back in the day, a few of the um, players talk about the risk-reward nature of the course, the need to be aggressive. There's not a massive amount of trouble out there unless you're seriously offline. So um, you can take some of these holes on. You can get the driver out and give it a good give it a good belt and see if you can take on some of these longer holes. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess you're kind of scratching around for things to grab onto. Really, players who play well in the region, players who play well near the coast... Paspalum positive players, yeah, all potentially part of the mix. Other than that, it's a guessing game, really, I think. Um, certainly worth watching, though. So watch it closely because um, we will be doing this all again next week and we'll have a far, far stronger feel as to how the course sets up and the kind of player that it suits in seven days' time. 
And of course, we'll have the stats that come out of this week's tournament to uh, to pour over for next week as well. So hopefully, we can get a nice winner this week, and then we can uh, we can really nail it next week to to get a double Raz Al Kamer um, result out of these this fortnight. Anyway, I've back five. Um, I've took a look at the top of the market. Um, I swerved the very top. Beesberger, uh, he's done okay the last couple of weeks. He's he just had a destructive round in each of the two events that have taken him out of the tournament. He putted poorly in Dubai last week. Different greens, I, I, I get that. But um, I think he's going to have to putt, putt much better if he's going to justify favouritism this week. McIntyre, back-to-back miscuts to start the year. Didn't really interest me, I must say. And the likes of Moronk and Smith and Langask, who are all quite short in the market, that's due to this kind of historic form that uh, they've got on the uh, Alhambra course from the Challenge Tour days. And I think they're kind of artificial prices in that respect. Um, I couldn't couldn't go near them. I swerved all, all of those guys. I've started my team with Rasmus Hogard, who I backed at uh, 30 to 1 with seven places each way. You can get 33s if you are willing with Hogard to uh, to go for the, the fewer each way places. I didn't think the differential was enough um, to make the difference there, so I stuck with 30 to 1 and seven places for this. Um, and Rasmus, I think he's he's got a higher ceiling than, than most of these players, if not all of the players in this field this week. Um, he's, he's destined for bigger and better things, as is his brother Nikolai, of course. 20th in Abu Dhabi to start his season, or start his year at least. He was 47th last week. He struggled a little bit on the new Tiff Eagle Greens there in Dubai. We're back on Paspalum where he was 20th last week. And Paspalum generally seems to work much better for him. Look at some of his results. He won in Mauritius in 2019 in similar kind of conditions, similar agronomy that week and of very similar incoming form to what we can see right now. He was also 6th in Oman, 6th in Dubai, both of those on Paspalum Greens. And he's got a couple more wins since that point. I mean, this lad's a real deal. And um, we're picking up backable each-way prices on him at this point in what is a much reduced quality field. I think he's just got to, he's just got to be taken and part of the team this week at, at 30 to 1. So Rasmus is in. Um, Ryan Fox I've also backed. Um, I got him yesterday at 55s. He's been tipped in a few places, 45 to 1 right now. But again, I think that's still the right kind of price for him. I think uh, anything north of 40s is worth taking with Ryan Fox. And I've been patient with the Kiwi. I backed him a fair bit. I've mentioned him a number of times on this podcast over the last year or so. And he's um, he's not got over the line for me yet. But I'm keeping the faith. I'm keeping a bit of patience with him. And um, back near the coast. Is he, is he Paspalum positive, Bob? There are some Paspalum um, positive results, which um, which form part of his uh, part of his CV. Absolutely, as, as do golf. As does golf near the coast. I mean, he won Perth back in twenty nineteen. Um, he was second in the Vic Open. That was at Thirteenth Beach the year after. Paspalum, Steve. Yes, sixth at the Saudi International last year. Actually, he was sixth twice. He's been sixth last, sixth last year and sixth back in, what, 2019, that would be. It's a couple of decent results there. That's a par 70. This is a 72. The extra two par fives here are going to help him. He's a big, long lad. Mm. He can uh, he can really attack these par fives. A uh, couple of spins to start the year. 61st in Abu Dhabi, 26th last week in Dubai. Um, his long game last week was much, much stronger. And he's also got a little bit of form here. 16th back in 2016 on this Alhamra course. Potentially 
can put that experience to good use this week with any luck. Uh, three others. Uh, Kali Samua, 55 to 1. Just butchered his name, but I think you know what I mean. It's, it's been... Well, we're good at that. <laughs> yeah. That's just this podcast. Yeah. We're, we're good at butchering names. Uh, Kali Samoya. No, that's, that sounds a little bit better, doesn't it? Um, he's been knocking on the door of a breakthrough win for a couple of years now. He's one of the maidens that I think is well, well capable of getting off the mark this year on the DP World Tour. Um, just some of his results. He lost a playoff at Crown Saucier back in 2019. Third in Qatar, third, uh, second in Cyprus, fourth at the Dubai Desert Classic, third at the Tenerife Open last year. And there's some coastal form in there. There's some Paspal and form. There's some UAE, UAE form as well. And um, lots and lots of pointers that suggest it could go well th- here, I think. Um, he has played this course three times as well. He's one of the few players who played all three of those events back on the Challenge Tour. Finished between 24th and 33rd on those three occasions. So solid, um, if unspectacular. Um, much, much better now. 12th last week in Dubai at Rolex Series level. This is a rung or three below that. And I think this sets up very nicely for Cali at 55 to 1. Um, Jeff Winther at 80 to 1. I'm really quite um, excited about this bet, actually. Um, he's another one who likes golf near the coast. Um, third at Gran Canaria last year on Paspal and Greens. He won the Mallorca Golf Open later in the year as well, another coastal track. Uh, 12th in Oman in 2019. He was fifth for strokes game putting that week on Paspal and third at Qatar in 2020. Third again for strokes game putting on the same putting surfaces. It all seems to tie in very, very nicely. Um, sixth at Yas Links on at uh, uh, its Rolex Series level a fortnight ago again on Passbarn Greens and this guy finished sixth in a massively stronger field just a fortnight ago yes he missed the cut last week in Dubai I think that's an overreaction I think he can be, go far far better than that and he has some form he has some form here at Halhamra he finished 12th in 2017 he was fourth going into the weekend that week I think Jeff Winter at 80-1 to 1 is a cracking bet this week. Mm. Um, and finally, um, I kind of, I've, I've said a couple of times in the podcast this year today that I'm kind of losing some of the um, preconceptions that I've got about players this season. I'm going to, you know, I know you've got your post-it notes, Steve, and I fully respect that. Um, well, it didn't work last week. Luke, Luke, Luke this one. <laughs> So it's got me thinking as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I play... When Cameron Tringali wins this week, I think I'm going to burn it. Just throw it away. That'll be (laughs) be Paul Casey for the Masters then. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I've kind of... uh, I've looked back and I've said, okay, I'm going to forgive some of these guys that have let me down in the past. And I've backed George Kutsaya at 100 to 1. Now, if I was backing George Kutsaya at 14 to 1 for this, I'd probably be having... Uh, second, third, or fifth thoughts, but a hundred to one, I'm willing to give give him a chance. Mm. Good um, price. I think it is a good price because whereas a lot of the players above him either don't or can't or haven't got over the line, this guy's won five times at uh, well, what was European Tour level, this this DP World Tour level as it is now. Mm. Um, he won at Mauritius again, coastal pastelum grass is used on that course. Um, he won at Villamora, which is just off the coast again in Portugal. Um, all five of his wins at this level between 13 and 19 under I think that's right in the ballpark for this week Um, not much to shout off so far this year 47th last week 
But had he had a better Sunday, um, he could have been pushing for a top 10 finish last week. He was 23rd going into the final day. He shoots 67, 68, 69. He's, you know, he's knocking on the door of a top 10 and he's probably 33s for this or 40 to 1, not 100 to 1. And uh, that's all down to one single round. So, yeah, I, I'm happy to, happy to give him a try. He needs to sharpen up his irons if he's going to compete this week. Um, struggled to hold the greens a little bit last week by all accounts. He putted well enough. But uh, getting back on a putting surface that you know he can perform on, I think these putting surfaces should be far more receptive this week and that should help him um, hold the greens far more than he did last week. Um, so put all that together, make a few putts, 100 to 1. Away you go, George Kutsaya. And that's my five, George could say 100s, Jeff Winter, 80 to 1, Kali Samuya, 55s, Ryan Fox at uh, whatever price you can get him at 45s now, and Rasmus Hogard in the 30, 33 to 1 bracket out there right now as of Tuesday morning. Any Anyone catch your eye, Barry? Uh, I arrived at Jeff Winter independently of uh, reading your review, so... Um, that either says we're both genius or we're both dumb. But both genius, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right now we are. Genius <laughs> until proven otherwise. Um, yeah, a lot of good things lining up for the bet on him this week, including the price, which is quite tasty. So, yeah, nothing more to say on that. Um, this is such a partisan bet, but I can't help it. I mean, the, the field is weak. Um, he's playing great, even though he's just turned, right. you know, he's just turned 50. Did you, his, did, did you see his strokes going T to green number last week? In no. Dubai? Didn't, didn't he rank number one? He's playing some oh. really nice stuff, yeah. It's... I'm sure he ranked number one for strokes going T to green in Dubai last week yeah. in that quality of field. Yeah. No, wow. Just... And, you know, he's available, what, up to 50 to one? I mean, are you sixty to one? Sixty to one right now with Betfred seven places. Yeah, I mean, there you go. That's um, who who are you going to like? There's, there's so many guys <clears throat> ahead of him in the betting that you wouldn't touch for the price they're at. You know, so um, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm I've talked myself into it. Caught my eye and I'm like, yeah, you know, he's playing well. Um, wouldn't wouldn't shock me at all. I don't think it would shock a lot of people if you did. So, Porter Harrington, um, Scott Jameson has my eye as well. Don't know if I'll back him, but um, popped in my head. And then there's another one who, just looking through your sheets there, had a couple of um, good. Where is it? He said a second and an eighth in his last uh, couple of outings. He hasn't played in a while, but has previous um, on kind of linksy courses. Um, Yannick Paul. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will just double check before you place that because he was uh, one of these players who was... He had, I think he'd pulled out of the last two events where he'd been penciled in or was a first reserve or something. So, yes, but uh, yeah, yeah, double, double, uh, double, double check. But um, that's good. Yeah, he's, he's an intriguing one, isn't he? Because he's incoming form. Like one of them was on the, um, uh, I think it was the Joe Berg Open, wasn't it? I think he was eight. That's, was, yeah, yeah, just looking at it here. Yeah, and then there was some more distant form at uh, one of the lower levels. But uh, yeah, I think you have to be wary of some of these lower level players who come through and have got some form. Marcus Helgig 
How good gets... <laughs> <laughs> There we go. You know, Nailed him. Marcus. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got Marcus some H. cracking form yeah. on the, uh, the lower level tours and caught my eye as well. And uh, yeah, It reminds me a little bit of Matt Wallace a few years ago where he came through with all these wins on the... Um, on the Alps tour, and uh, you know, took the took the European tour at the time by by storm. So uh, yeah, I think you, you can't ignore some of this low level form sometimes. No, oh. it's super year, like a really good year last year on the Challenge Tour. Just looking at his results, you know, there's a second, a third, an eighth, a sixth, mm. um, a fourth at the Irish Challenge, which was on um, uh, in Port Marnock. So yeah, like. It, it's a hundred to one in a week. A week in field. It's um. It's like an interesting flyer, and it's a way for me to learn a bit about a mm. guy guy new to the tour. So um, yeah. Well, if he's if he's if he's now being quoted with a price, then that does suggest that he's um he's in the field. Which uh, which yes, interesting to to keep an eye on him, as you say, bro. Yeah, here we go, Paul. This is the question for you, though. He's uh, oh, he's Betfred one twenty five seven places. Versus eight places and boils at seventy. I think I might have to just take the seven yeah. and any and any associated pain if he does come yeah, that, eight. So. That's, that's that's a that's a big big jump, isn't it? This, this is big, all all down to personal choice, isn't it? These uh, that's these that's big now, yeah. But yes, no, no. I, I'm interested to see how he goes, Barry. Definitely, definitely. Any from you, Steve? Completely separate from what you said. I didn't even look at your preview yesterday. I did look at it this morning before we recorded this early. Erasmus Hoygaard. Mm. He is a Paspalum wizard. Yep. I think it's a really good bet at the top of the market. And the other one I noticed last week, Marcus Armitage playing some good goal. The Bullets. Yes, yes, mm. the Bullets. He's, uh, he's got some good numbers, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah, he's got some good numbers. Got off the mark so last year as well. I do like Ryan Fox as well. I think this is the kind of play. If you're talking risk and reward, mm. he's got some excellent... Um, Attributes for this. Yeah, I think that's us done them. It is indeed another podcast in the rearview mirror. It's been a it's been a blast, boys. Thank you. Yes, best of luck, chaps. Hopefully, uh, we we can avoid these seventy second hold implosions and uh, and second place finishes this week and get a uh, mm. get some big results. Be nice. Best of luck, Baron. Yeah, good good luck, guys. I'm just looking to avoid missed cuts, you know. <laughs> Baby steps. Oh, Baby steps, yeah. Best of luck to listeners. We will be back next week. I believe it's the Waste Management Phoenix Open for me. It is, And you'll yeah. have the al Kaima Classic. We'll have, yeah, round Rasso two of the Razal Kaima, yeah. yeah. Mm. Good week of golf next week. Well, goodbye, chaps. See you later. If you like betting on golf, Everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf 